Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. And we've got the dream team on again once again. It is <laughs> pistol with me tonight, mate. How are you? I'm doing really well, Cheezo. I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh, podcasting series, we'll call it, that we're going to explore, which is going to be um, kind of how the new rules will affect Supercoach from our perspectives. Yeah, it's uh, the Rules Explained series. We haven't really thought of a better title than that, have we? No, we haven't. We'll go with Rules Explained. I actually like that. I, I really feel like we should do a YouTube series where we've got like Vox Media doing like an investigative you know, journalism kind of thing. That's that's the kind of way that I'm thinking about it. But, um, you know, the Rules Explained dun, dun. series, yeah, you know, a bit of <laughs> ominous music in the background to kind of set the feel. So um, tonight we're going to be going through the kick-ins pistol. Now, I need your opinion on this. This is probably the most important part of this entire series that we've got right now is do you call it kick ins or kick outs? Because I I, <laughs> oh, I alternate. I, that's a great question, Chizo. I feel like naturally I say they're kick outs, but at the same time, you, it's because you kick out of the square, but you kick it into play. Yeah, you're kicking it into the field of play. So sure, it's a kick in, right? But but I kick it out of the square. So that's why I like naturally go with it's a kick out. But I when I write it, I always write kick in. Well, maybe it's a uh, a perspective of who's kicking it. If you're in the field of play and they're kicking it to you, they're kicking it in towards, uh, kicking it out to you. Whereas if you're in the square doing the kicking, you're kicking it out of the square. So maybe it's a kick in. <laughs> maybe it's a kick in for th- for forty three people, and it's a kick out for one person. <laughs> it's like uh, it feels like Einstein's uh, you know relativity type theorems, but with kick ins. I expect someone to make like. Um, Illuminati music over the background of that. That, that Excellent. That's a next level thinking pistol. <laughs> Mate, it has been a big week for us. We have launched the Patreon. Uh, and it's fair to say it's a little bit overwhelming, mate. I, I don't really know how to deal with the amount of support that we have received so far. In, in, in We've been open for two days and we've already almost got 20 people in the Slack channel. And it's just, it's almost too much to handle already. Oh, it's so much fun as well. It's been absolutely great. Oh, fun for you. You've got all these Collingwood yeah. supporters in there with you. I'm the lone <laughs> Don supporter, and they're just picking on me. No, there's another Don supporter. Don't don't forget. But uh, it's been so much fun just getting to know the community members more, and the, the banter has been off the chain at the moment, and just talking super coach all day, all night um, has been so much fun. So, yeah, if you're not involved, you should definitely get involved ASAP. There needs to be a Pies supporter tax. Or a port supporter tax. I'm sick of JB just trash talking the whole time as well. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we should recruit some um, Adelaide supporters, and that might, that Even might make things out. better. Yeah. Then they'll just be infighting between them, and we can actually talk super coach in the corner. That sounds good to me. That's, that's good strategy targeting. <laughs> if you haven't checked out the Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash Dr. Supercoach. Uh, all one word. We've put a lot of time into this, a lot of sweat and blood into it, Pistol, and we're proud for what we can offer. So we hope that it is something that interests you. If you do enjoy the content, you do enjoy what we bring to the Supercoach community, then consider subscribing. We're more than happy to uh, have you on board. Uh, but what we do have is some rewards that you get when you do subscribe to our Patreon and become a patron. And the first of which is a shout out on the podcast for those that have signed up. Now, we've got quite a number here, Pistol, that need to be um, need to Welcome be called to- out. We've got basically our whole first couple of days just backed up, so we're going to have to dedicate a whole part of the section uh, of the podcast to go through. So bear with me here, Pistol. 
Um, we've got Jockham Tubbing, Toby Howell, Matthew Shower, Ben Osmond, Chris Adams, Dylan Lucata Wells, Aaron Black, Jamie Hall. You've got good banter, Jamie, so uh, I'm proud to have you in the Slack <laughs> channel. You back me up quite often. I they like all it. have good banter. <laughs> uh, Tony Poutnell, James Gore, um, Super Coach Insider. Is is that how I pronounce that? Uh, of course, Doctor Supercoach has Supercoach Insider in the Slack channel now, so that's great to have those guiders on board. That, but we kind of figured out the other night if they're Supercoach Insider and they're inside our Slack channel, does that make them Doctor Supercoach Insider? I've thought way too much. <laughs> but it's great to have those guys on board. Nick Wright, Michael Hewson, Andrew Rogerson, uh, Owen Broadley. Martin Wheatner and Brad Mason. So thank you to everyone that has jumped aboard the Dr. Supercoach Patreon so far and got into the Slack channel and just started talking some Supercoach. We've already had some really good chats over um, some particular players and you've actually convinced me to start uh, McRae Pistol. That uh, I wasn't going to start him. I thought he was a, a little bit too expensive for my taste. I thought I could find some value. But the amount of you guys just talking sense to me, it's already changed my team. And for the better, so... Oh, okay, yep. <laughs> basically, I feel like they've joined to make you a better Supercoach <laughs> player rather than the other way around. How do I subscribe so... to them? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, everyone joined to help Chiso become a better Supercoach player. That should be the uh, how we get people the rivalry, on board. The rivalry league is just going to be great because I've got all these other guys propping my team up, so that's, that's going to be fantastic. <laughs> it needs to be like the... Um, the velodrome where you drop the last rider off the four-man squad. Um, so we'll jump into our first Rules Explained uh, podcast, Pistol. We are talking about the kick-ins, I think we've now decided. And the first thing I'll do is I'll state the rule. Uh, kick-ins, a player no longer needs to kick to himself to play on, and the man on the mark has now been made to be positioned 10 metres from the top of the goal square. The goal square is 9 metres, 10 metres back from that. Essentially, you can just get the ball and hit the top of the square at full pace and because the man on the mark is going to be stationary as you break through that line and they call play on you can utilize a lot of that 10 meters at top speed um you know to to really get that penetrating kick out of the goal square pistol i think um it's going to be a big change i've seen a lot of talk on twitter that people think it's not going to change anything at all I'm really seeing big changes for, uh, for the way that the game's played. There's going to be a, a lot more fast movement, less teams getting trapped in their back line. Um, you know, how are you seeing the change and what it might have on the game itself before we get into Supercoach implications? I think, I don't know if they're going to be running off the top of the square, Cheezo, when they're stepping out. They might be running from the side of the square um, and then, you know, hitting up a short target, hitting up a long target, who knows? But it just gives them more space. You know, the more creative creative players will have more to work with. Um, and I just can't really see a footballer being stuck in the square and then being forced to take a kick from inside the square. Like, they, they're, going, they're able to run. They're going to have options. And not only that, they can take the ball as soon as it's gone through for a behind and take it and just, like, you know, bolt. There's not. We don't need to wait for anything. So the game's going to be quicker. It's going to be the ball's going to be moved along faster. And because of that, honestly, I'd be very surprised if the kickouts weren't, you know, above ninety percent now, counting as a disposal compared to last year. I'll, I'll pose this to you. This is literally something I've think I've thought of. We always know that coaches think of a way around the rule, um, or you know, dating back many many years. 
Is there any chance that what defenders, uh, well, I guess um, the forwards will do in this case, is be really lapsadaisical about getting away from the square and... You know, in the same way they pretend that they're rushing up behind or, you know, pretend they've fumbled it over the line, are they going to pretend that they're, you know, desperately trying to get out to that 10-metre radius but they're, they're really kind of dragging the chain to impact the speed of which someone's going to be able to come out of that square? I don't know, it's just um, something I've thought on. What's, what's your thought on, thoughts on that? Oh, I think we'll wait and see how they utilise it in the JLT. But it would be interesting because a, a lot of the last year um, players started... You know, putting a block on the man on the mark, which you know subsequently sometimes gave away a free kick when they were too overzealous. But it'll be interesting if they did some sort of pick and roll basketball tactic um, on the man on the mark. I'm not really sure how that will work, but they'll be playing around with it. They'll be testing things out in the JLT, and um, it'll be really exciting. But the the thing is that the kick out takers are going to get some potential scoring increase. It's not going to be zero. Like it definitely will be a positive. Um, and let's actually talk more in-depth about that, Chiso. Yeah, sure. So um, the first thing we should talk about is we were interested in finding out exactly what kind of impact this would have um, statistically. So what we've done is we've taken the 2018 kick-in data um, and I'll let you talk through a lot of the um, manipulations, what you did to the data, because it's really straightforward, but you're the mathematical genius. Um, (laughs) And we've kind of tried to figure out how many extra points they would have scored last year if the 2019 rules had applied to last year with their kicking rules. So just talk us through that and how we got to the end result. Yeah, so, I mean, basically, you have to make some assumptions, and the assumption that we're working off is that a player will kick it in um, sorry, they'll they'll leave the square, so it'll count as a disposal 100% of the time. I mean, it's probably more like 90%, but that 10% difference is quite minor when you're working out the extra points per game that they may receive. The other, I guess, major uh, assumption is that they always will, from these additional kicks, will always have an effective kick. I should say, a kicking efficiency of a I guess someone that's taken the kick-ins you'd think would be slightly above average, um, at least over 75%. And if there's no pressure on the person taking in the kick or, you know, if someone, let's say, Witherden, his field kicking is going to be worse than his kick-ins kicking just because he's going to be under more pressure whilst in the game. So I expect most of the players taking kick-in at least to hit a contest or hit a target I there will be maybe you know one in every dozen or half a dozen that will actually result in a clangor um so whilst it's not a perfect science the numbers that we've worked out are just meant to give a rough estimation um but the errors should be relatively marginal and shouldn't make too much of a difference um, and we're just using it basically as a guide rather than, you know, set in stone that this player will increase their points per game by, you know, 15 points per game. Um, so, yeah, we've just worked out the increase in... Um, so, basically, how many times have they played on? What's the difference between um, how many they've played on and how many chances they actually had? And if that were to increase to 100% of the time play on rather than what their current percentage of play on is, you know, how many points extra would that lead to? Um, so, that's the gist of it, Chizo. Um Did you want to talk through maybe some key performers in that that uh, list? Oh, we'll certainly touch on that again uh, in a second. The one thing I want to make clear is we're seeing um, last year you got one point for an effective kick-out. Is that correct? You, if you had an correct. effective kick-out, you got uh, one point. This year, an effective kick 
from a play on situation is going to be worth four points. So it's important to remember that the extra points that they would have got, you're only getting an extra three points from that potential kick, aren't you? Because you, you've already gotten one for that uh, that kick in the first instance. So um, it's not as simple as just uh, timesing the amount of extra kicks that they, they would have had um, to get a disposal from and adding you know, timesing it by four. Um, it, it's not not quite as simple as that. Do you think it's actually going to be as high as like 90 or 95% uh, to begin with, pistol. Uh, uh, I'm I'm not entirely sure it's going to be. You know, I, I, it's definitely not going to be 100, percent but it, it should be quite high, you'd think. Well, after watching the AFLW on the weekends, so many of them, nearly all of them, in every match, ran straight out of the square to gain as much distance as possible. And I'm sure their games, you know, at least trialed or modelled with at least what the men are going to be doing. So I don't see why that would be too different. So. If I'm using that as my basis before we actually get to see JLT, I think that they will play on like a massive percentage of the time, close to 100% anyway. Um, And also in terms of balancing, you also get points for a running bounce. And if the man is a bit further back, someone might take a, you know, sneaky running bounce out the side. Um, So there's even more potential than just an extra three points per kick. And, you know, if they take a running bounce as well, you know, you can gain points in a whole sort of ways um, and as I said if they do some sort of pick and roll I don't know if there's going to be some handball games playing on going you know back with one and twos going on as well so who knows what potential there will be for extra points on top of just the kick but you'd think there'd at least be some as well so um, as we said it's a kind of a rough estimate but there'll definitely be an increase yeah and, and one thing that you mentioned before the podcast is with the the AFLW it probably benefits the ladies a bit more being able to get some extra distance on their kick. Um, so it might not be as important to the guys to utilise that extra distance, but men generally do take more risks, and that's why we have a lower life expectancy pistol. I can, <laughs> I can, I can tell you that from uh, the med- medical profession that I deal with every day, that there's definitely guys taking, let's say, stupider routes during their lifetime so um, we might see more of them play on you never know but um, we'll talk through some of the top of the list pistol you're the, the the numbers guy who are the guys that you're seeing that are going to be getting some benefits from this new rule so the key people I think to focus on is we have Lloyd projected to get around 15 points per game more which sounds insane but he did take so many free kicks for the Swans, um, and that there's no reason for that really to change. Um, I should say there is kind of a negative to the rule change. We have pointed out all the positive and extra ways that they may score. Um, two key factors that we have yet to mention is, one, players um, may not take the kick in if they are not the closest person to the ball when it goes through the behinds. So because you're allowed to take the ball and play on you know, take, bring it back in play and kick it in, you know, ASAP. If Lloyd isn't near when the ball's gone out, like, he might not be the one to take it. Um, so that is a factor that we will have to consider, that there might be more shared load of kick-ins. But this is using the data just from last year, so, you know, that's what we've got to use, so that's what we're going to use. Um, and number two as well, it might change the type of kicking player. We've discussed this on, I think, every single podcast, and we always use Luke Ryan and Nathan Wilson as the prime example, where Luke Ryan barely played on last year. And then you think Nathan Wilson, they nearly split the kickouts 50-50 throughout the whole season. 
but you'd think when you can play on in a run, if, you, if you've got someone that kicks a ball as well as Nathan Wilson and is as quick as Nathan Wilson, you'd expect him to take more percentage, like a larger percentage of the kickouts um, than Luke Ryan with this rule change. So um, that's something that you definitely should take into consideration when going through these numbers as well because they all come with a, a slight asterisk, um, but there are positives and negatives for you know, almost every player. But um, Jake Lloyd, we have increasing at 15 points per game. So does that make him possibly the biggest lock in the back line? I think for me, you can't start without Lloyd. Not only is he so far ahead in terms of average compared to the rest of the players, but he's also getting the biggest bump that we've calculated out of all the players as well. So he's not only... There's not only a C between first and second, but that gap is getting bigger. So for me, if you're not going in with Lloyd, yes, he's a lot of money, but there's a, the same reason people were going to start with Titch. He's a lot of money, but he's worth it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I can't really see past um, Titch at D1. Like uh, I feel like he has to be there. Um, Sicily is another major kick and taker. We have his average bumping up by 11 points per game, uh, which seems unbelievably massive. Um I'm just going to read through the top, I guess, six or so, because I feel like that's what people will be interested in, Chizo. Yep. Um, Simo, we have seven. Laird, just the two. So Laird is almost priced at his value. Now, two is probably a bit unders, just because Laird loves the ball, and I feel like if the if he's anywhere near it, he's going to be you know sneaky taking the kick-ins. But is Laird someone that you will start, or is the value just not there? So this year, I think in the back line, you're looking for players that are going to benefit from the rule. So you don't want to start the season with six players that you consider keeping. So you don't want to start with, say, Lloyd, Sicily, Simo, um, Zach Williams, um, and a Witherden, because at some point in the season, you're going to have to fit Laird in there. Laird is still going to be a top six defender. He's just not going to take many kickouts. And so for that reason... His value at the start of the year is overpriced, so you're paying more for the value that he gets. You're better off spending that initial initial capital on someone that's going to go up in price, and you can fill a void in your backline with Laird as you're upgrading over the year. That's the way I see Laird this year. If you've got him in your side, you're a big fan of Laird. Big fan of Laird, then you know that's totally up to you. But for me, it's are you just paying for what you get for? And if that's what you want, go for it. So to reiterate, Chizo, his points per game will increase. So he's not bad value. He's just not as good value Correct. as the other defenders. Um, and we're not saying don't pick him or don't start him. Um, sorry, when he's not going to be a top six um, defender. We still think he's going to be in the top four, if not the top three, because it's very close. It's just at his price... Starting him at that price feels like, compared to other people, they might be at slightly better picks to start with, and it's worthwhile getting led throughout the season. I feel like everyone will need led, um, so you just need to you know keep that in mind um, for the beginning of the season. Other big uh, increases, we've got Shannon Hearn um, at 10 get points per game more. I feel like Hearn doesn't really have anyone to compete with at West Coast. Maybe Lewis Jetta. Um, but he's going to take majority of all the kick-ins, and he always has in you know the last X amount of years. So um, that one's that one's relatively safe. Um, Zach Williams is someone interesting because we're not quite sure 
how many kick-ins he's going to get. His sample, he, he, he had a lot while Shaw was injured last year in the finals, um, but the sample size just isn't there. So we know he will get some. We don't know how many. It's hard to put a points you know, per game extra on it. I'd say, we'll say safely between, you know, eight and 10. Um, and that's, he's already undervalued from his injury, Chizo. So yeah. uh, that, that makes him great value. We do have L- Luke Ryan up here with also the same as Lloyd. They're the top two um, with Ryan at 15 points per game extra. But just going back to what we said before, Chizo, do you, also think that Nathan Wilson um, will take more kickouts for Fremantle, or is that something you disagreed with? Well, I'll, I'll shoot a stat back at you. Since 2016, Luke Ryan has kicked, uh, played on from a kick-in 2.1% of the time, and Nathan Wilson has done it 29.9% of the time. So there's a clear difference in the type of player they got kicking out. Now, you can be in the school of thought that um, the best um, player by foot, they'll want to kick out as many times as possible to increase the likelihood of you know retaining the ball. Um, or you could be looking at uh, the types like Adam Saad um, and Nathan Wilson, where and and even a Zach Williams to that extent, where they're really fleet of foot and they can utilise their their pace off the mark to be able to use it. So, are we going to see Ryan? be the you know the the number one kicking man at Frio I honestly think it's going to be a more even split with um with Wilson this year and so I don't think you know the using the data from last year Ryan looks really 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 appealing um but I'm just not sure that we're going to see this in, insane bump with him this year because I'm, I, I don't believe he's going to be taking the same percentage of kickouts as what he did in 2018. I mean, if you said a more even split, they were nearly identical. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how much more even you're expecting them to be. It's, <laughs> you kind of, you've really, there was a fence sitting answer there. Um, other players that are going to gain um, a big advantage that we, we think, you know, around 10 points per game would be uh, Savage, Short, Witherden and obviously um, Wilson um, as you know the key players that will get a boost so there's a couple of others in there that that also could be considered primos um, like Heath Shaw if you'd want to go there if you'd like to go there I'm not sure um, nah. but, oh, oh, ac- <laughs> not again Chizo. accident Chizo. Um but yeah I guess the only key player we haven't really spoken about is um, Lockie Whitfield and again that's kind of a role issue where we don't really know exactly if he's going to be playing off the wing or if he's going to be playing off the halfback how many kick-ins he's going to take with Wilson back um, but you know I think we all think Whitfield's going to have an increase of scoring anyway just you know natural improvement so Whitfield's also still a good pick so there's a lot of defenders um, that are good picks it's just about picking the best ones to start the year and I think that's the hardest part of this whole thing Chiso. Yeah uh, I absolutely agree with that one the the one thing that I talked to about Whitfield is what do you think um, like he was obviously a really good kicking player for them last year, uh, especially when like sh- the players like Shaw weren't available. But I'll just shoot a stat at you. Um, I actually tweeted um, Fantasy Freako to to get the actual um, stats. Um, I asked him how many kickouts Zach Williams took. Uh, Zach Williams took last year. Um, Williams took thirteen kick-ins in his two games last season during finals. Whitfield with five was the next most. Um, 
and that's coming straight back from injury. They've sent Williams straight in to do the kick-out duties. Yes, there wasn't a Shaw there, but you add Zach Williams in, you add uh, a fit Heath Shaw again in there. Is Whitfield really going to have any benefit from this kick-in rule whatsoever? Because they've lost Tom Scully as well. They've lost a few midfielders. Surely they want his his running prowess on a wing and away from deep in defence. So if they want him kicking out, they're going to have to wait for him to get down there to get the ball from behind the goals to kick it out anyway. I mean, there's so many ways to interpret this rule. So we're just kind of going through every type of scenario and what all the ifs and buts until the JLT, but it's certainly interesting to analyse. Chizo, speaking of the ifs and buts, how about the impact on this kicking rule because what what impact will the 666 so players have to start at a center bounce in designated positions what impact do you think that will have on the kick in or kick out rule i'm not not quite sure we still have <laughs> we've just started on this it's a kick in it's 43 okay. to 1 okay Kick in rule. <laughs> uh, well, we'll state the rule to start off with. The 6-6-6 starting position at centre bounces. Six players from each team to be inside the 50-metre arc. Four inside the centre square. One on each wing. Minimum of one player from each team inside of the goal squares. So the important thing to remember is this is from a centre bounce. So what I'm seeing with the 6-6-6 rule, it's not necessarily um, going to directly affect player positionings at a kick in but it's probably going to result in more scoring opportunities, Pistol. Would you agree? Yes. So I think you're coming off uh, Clarko's been uh, quoted saying that he thinks that because of the 666, there's going to be more you know, first-time goal attempts. Um, and a goal attempt is another word for a scoring opportunity because if you miss the goal, you're probably kicking a behind. And if you're kicking a behind, it's going to affect the kick-ins. <laughs> I nearly said kick-outs. Um, so... Therefore, this rule might actually increase the number of kick-ins per game. Um, but will it be balanced, Chizo, by the fact that it's now easier to rid the ball from your area from a kick-in? Because now there's less congestion, you know, they're not locking it in your back half for as long, so that might balance it out. Um, what do you think about that? Well, I, I, I can see where you're coming from. I don't think it's going to balance it out because I think the whole point of this is to open up the game style. So if you're able to escape the zone, you're more likely going to create your own scoring opportunities as well. So the way that they turned it over in the back line was to use that, that zone that just pressured the turnover kick or the long bomb that just reset everything. Whereas now there's greater opportunities, um, to either go over where that zone was or that zone's now pushed back up to where a wing level is and where the turnover is less likely to impact you because you have a bit more time to set up. Um, So I think it's going to, overall, it's going to increase the amount of scoring shots that we have per game or, as you say, scoring opportunities. Um, I think that's going to be the net result. And so because of that, not only are we're going to get points for kick-ins, we're going to see a few more kick-ins per game. It may only be minuscule, but I think the rules will even further help the defenders in creating those new point-scoring opportunities for our supercoach sides. And I think a lot of people have overlooked that fact. Even the you know the ruckman being able to grab it out of the ruck, if they're in the forward 50 and they're taking these balls out of the ruck and having a quick shot at goal, you know, that's, a, I guess, a, another chance to have have a shot on target and it's hard to kick a quick goal like that so that also might lead to an increase in 
kick in opportunities. I mean, the whole. <laughs> I love how careful this, you're being with it now. The kick I mean, in opportunities. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> all all of these rules were introduced to allow the game to be more free flowing, to be higher scoring. Higher scoring just means more scoring opportunities, which means more chances to have more kick-ins, which means the benefit to these defenders is going to be even more. So we can't put a number on that. We just know that defenders are massive value this season. Like, they're all really good value, well, the kick-in takers in particular, but they're the ones that we should be loading up on, at least at the beginning of the season. I, I don't want to see teams with just three, you know, defenders, that three decent defenders and three rookies. Like, I don't... I, you're not taking advantage of the rule change. It's only in for this year because next year they're going to be priced accordingly. You know, if Lloyd averages 15 points per game more this year, he's going to be priced at that for next year. So you've got the opportunity to take advantage of that this year. So while you can, you just need to do it. And and another thing that I've just thought of, the way that they structured the game this year, they're saying that there's going to be a lot more fatigue particularly with the midfielders. So you're probably going to see zones broken late in quarters, which again is going to lead to more scoring opportunities and more kickouts. So that's just another kind of dynamic that we haven't really touched on. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, with our captaincy options pistol, we're able to do like fixture matching. Like we can kind of say, you know, these guys are playing Essendon this week, so they're probably not going to score because Essendon's really good. Um, Or in this instance, should we be getting on defenders that play St Kilda? Because, you know, if Jack Billings is kicking for goal, there's going to be considerably more <laughs> kick-ins in that game compared to the other weeks they might play another team with good shot-on-goal accuracy. I was wondering where you were going with that for <laughs> such a long time until you brought up Billings, and I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah, don't captain people who play against West Coast because they're so accurate at goal. People that play against Collingwood and stuff who can't kick at all. Um, just kick so many behinds. That that would be hilarious. And, and you know, we need a, we need possibly. a reason to um, support Jack Billings again because you know last year he burned a lot of players. Whereas 2019, if he gets the ball, Jack, you go for goal. You kick it for goal at any point in time because you know I need my defender to get another kick out. So you go for broke, son. I'm right behind you. I believe in you. All right, Jesus. So the last thing that I want to touch on is the impact to the larger. Super coach game in terms of the scaling and scoring for other positions. So I might go on a small little rant or an explanation, whichever one you want to call it. Um, so strap yourself in and uh, you might want to skip this part if you don't like me or whatever, but here <laughs> we go anyway. So if there are going to be extra points coming in from defenders every game from all the kick in takers, there is a finite, well, meant to be. 32, 3,300 points per game in every Supercoach game. And that's why scaling comes in because no matter how many possessions are had or how little possessions are had, the scaling will balance it out so that there is the same piece of the pie in almost every single game. You know, there's there's very... There's a low variation between the maximum points per game. So we've got a, we've got a 3,300 pie. Now, if the more percentage of that pie is going to these defenders, the points have to come from somewhere. So... This might be overthinking it entirely, but the people that get more of the scaling points are generally the highest scoring players. So we're talking about the Titches and the McCrays. You know, they're getting a lot of the ball, they're getting more of the points. But if they are not able to, you know, either get the ball as much or they're not as favorable in the scaling as they have been in the past, does that make all of the top-line primos in other positions besides the ruck, because they have the ruck rule to kind of counterbalance, 
does that mean that the midfielders, the top end ones, and the top end forwards, are they all kind of, you know, a couple of percentage overpriced, Chizo? Well, that's the point. In 2018 and a little bit in 2017, remember back in the day when scaling came came in, you always got a one or two point bump on the majority of your players post-game? In the last couple of years, we're pushing that 3,300 pie so tight that there's just no scaling points to hand out and to jump people up a certain amount of points. So I think, you know, if you're thinking that there's um, 30, uh, for just numbers off the top of my head, um, pistol, so bear with me. If you're having um, 20 or 30 kick-ins per game, and all of those, or a higher majority of those, are getting points scored from them. You've also got the ruck rule changes coming in, so rucks are going to be able to soak up some few more points. They, it might influence where um, the remaining like midfielder points come from as well. But let's just say, for argument's sake, rucks are going to score a few points more as well. We'll touch that in a future podcast. So you, you've potentially got a hundred, a hundred and fifty, even two hundred points per game that have to come from somewhere. And if we're already so tight up against that 3,300 cap, all the scaling is going to do is knock down the top scoring players. So you're going to see a lot of those midfielders really struggle to hit those massive you know, 150 pluses week in, week out because I think that scaling is going to have an effect. So the way that I'm interpreting that is the likes of McRae and say a Crips, for example, that are really, uh, they're priced really high. At the start of the season, when the magic number um, is has more an effect on their price fluctuations, it's going to make them drop a lot more initially because I think, you know, four of, they had to average 4 or 5% higher than their previous years to hold value because of the magic number pistol. So if this pie is holding that, you know, their scoring potential down, it's only going to reduce their price that they're going to lose in the first few rounds of the season. So maybe the argument could be made to not start with the really uber premiums because you can get them cheaper. But that's, I guess, something that we'll, you know, talk more about in the preseason. It's just a postulation I have right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really following that because I obviously have McRae and Cripps and so, but it does make me feel a little bit comfortable if I'm not starting somebody like um, a Kelly, for example, where, you know, he might just take a little bit of a tumble in the first price change rather than, or, or a bit more than he usually should. We're not talking massive numbers. We're not saying like these premium midfielders are going to drop, you know, 100 no, 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 in no, the no, first no. price rise. Like if he averages his average, if, if he averages what he's, you know, priced at, Fall, sorry, his average what he averaged last year, he's going to fall, you know, an extra couple of percent, which only might be, you know, fifteen k or whatever it might be. It's not, it's not massive differences, but it will be a difference where they will take a tumble in that first price change more than you know you'd, you'd probably expect. So um, maybe something to just keep an eye on. Obviously, all of this is theoretical. We haven't seen any JLT. We don't know how teams are going to come out. We don't really know what. The, how the game's even going to be played. It might look entirely different. Teams might, you know, have two Ruckman all over the place and there's so many variables, but uh, we thought we'd put together, yeah, just a podcast going through all the different ways in which this um, rule might work, might change the landscape of the game. And it would be awesome if you guys had, 
your own ideas that we haven't even thought about and on different rules that might affect different things and just um, pop them in the comments or start a discussion because um, we'd love to hear it because we absolutely love this stuff. So um, anyone, if we've said something that and we've missed something that you've been thinking, feel free to you know have a discussion and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in the impacts on Supercoach this year because that will be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that really does just... Um cap off exactly what we were trying to achieve with this podcast the rules explained series to do um <laughs> and yeah so fantastic pistol thanks uh, I, this is nice short sharp for us it's under an hour hour and a half for us which is uh, usually very difficult to achieve isn't it well it's probably because um i talk too much so if uh yeah if you keep getting me on these series <laughs> there probably should be about 15 minutes but it's for some reason they're half an hour Pistol Theory. It's a, a new podcast series coming soon. Um, and yeah, if you do enjoy Supercoach and you know enjoy what we do, consider joining us as a patron. Um, get inside the inner circle. Get in the Slack channel. There's prizes, behind the scenes content, and much more. And we should give a shout out to our latest patron that has actually signed up during the podcast here, Pistol Matthew Hall. Oh wow, Matt Hall will certainly be sending out that Slack channel invite to get you. Uh, in tonight so you can have a bit of a look around and see all the the nice shiny features of our uh, little community going on there so uh, thanks for that and community if you do have any ideas as pistol said feel free to comment below and let us know we just want to uh, you know have a chat with you guys and we're really interested to see what you guys think with the rule changes for 2019 and how it's going to impact what players you might pick or might not pick so Get in touch with us. And if you do want to get us individually, you can find us all on Twitter, pistol underscore DRSC, Chizo with a Z underscore DRSC, and JB underscore DRSC, just to change it up. And we will see you all in the next podcast. Catch you later.